Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's time for the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday, December 13th, 2021. What's going on? How are you? How you doing? What's going on with you? Do you feel like you're in a rut? You're just doing the same fucking shit day in and day out, year after year? Do you got the holiday blues? I do. My dumbass this year was like, you know what I'm going to fucking do? I'm going to get all this holiday shit out of the way. Going to get all the gifts done, everything wrapped, everything bing, bang, boom, go fuck yourself. Um, it was good for stress, but then you just kind of left with your, <laughs> you kind of left to be with your own thoughts. Of like, ah, Jesus, I just start doing math. How fucking old I am. Um, it just, it's, it's, it's not good. It's not good. And then that's when I know. But the old me, the old me. Not saying I'm not old. The old me, right? Who's my buddy was joking the other day is, is actually the younger you. Um, <clears throat> would have just let those thoughts wash over me. And I would just go down to the bottom of the lagoon and just lay there for a few weeks. And instead, I just go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go going to go for a walk. I'm going to go play some drums. Yeah. You know what happens when you get all your Christmas shopping done too soon? You start thinking shit like, what happens when you die? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Sorry. Um, I'm fighting it. I'm fighting it, man. I'm fighting it off. Um... Congratulations, by the way. By the way, congratulations to Max Verstappen, who won the Formula One championship. The first non-English, non-German driver since Kimi uh, Raikkonen. Is that how you say his name? He's only a legend who retired today in 2007. Um, Fucking crazy race. I'm really beginning to believe that Formula One, it's like the NFL, you know, when there's a fumble after a catch. And it's like, did he or did he not make a football move? And to this day, I, I still don't know what the fuck a football. Did he tuck it in? Did he start to make the same silhouette as the Heisman Trophy? That is a football move. The knee's coming up, but if you see the arm is still down. Now, his wrist needs to be above his waist and his knee has to be above his hip flexor to constitute like what in the fuck is a football move. And I'm starting to feel like Formula One is I I don't understand the fucking rules. Um, You know, I was losing my shit at the beginning of the race, like turn six on the very first lap. Lewis Hamilton had a great start. And uh, Max went aggressively into this turn, and Lewis really had no choice other than to just go off the track, which I didn't have a problem with. And then he just sort of got back on the track. Uh, Max was going to pass him, and then Lewis went off the track and diagonally got back on the track and then was in first place again. But he had a way bigger lead than he had before, and allegedly slowed down a little bit and made up for whatever advantage he had of going off the track. And I was just like, I don't think he did. And then he just sort of had this gigantic lead throughout, you know, 
double digit lead it seemed like 10 11 12 13 seconds and i gotta hand it to red bull red bull did every fucking thing they possibly could in case something crazy happened so that they would be in a position to take advantage of it i think they did three pit stops or something they pitted early and i I think they went to a hard tire to try you know drive crazy and catch up with them and uh, I want to say they put it again. I don't remember. My kids were running around and all that shit. But then, um, anyway, it just looks like they, all of a sudden there's eight laps left. Lewis has this lead. Their car is great. Lewis is driving amazing, as always. He's out there in that clean air, and he's, he's lapping people. And all of a sudden, in the back of the race, there was an accident, which brought out the... Uh, whatever the pace car or something. So they're driving around behind it. And it's basically Lewis Hamilton, four cars that have been lapped and then Max Verstappen. So there was, by the end there was only, there was like two laps left. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the stewards decided that the lapped cars could go in front of Lewis Hamilton, making Max Verstappen then right behind Lewis. He didn't have to fight through all of that traffic which was great for the fans. But during that, that caution, Max Verstappen went in and got on a soft tire. And I was wondering why Lewis Hamilton didn't. Maybe he was in first and was like, well, I can't pit because if I pit, he's just going to go and then he'll be in first place. Let's stay out here. I don't know what happened. But Red Bull team brought him in, stuck him on the soft tire, which is way more sticky than the medium or the hard, I guess. And... uh yeah, and then they let the lap traffic go ahead for the restart. And Max just had a way better grip than Lewis. And uh took a couple turns. He went past him. And once he went past him, there was like one or two times that maybe he thought Lewis was going to get him. And then that was it. And Max Verstappen ended up winning it. And uh, I got to say, Lewis Hamilton was a total class act, as was his dad went over and shook hands with Max and his dad. But... uh as much as I was rooting for Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton drives me nuts where I feel like he's a uh, fucking all, like an all-star NBA player where they're never going to get called for an offensive foul. Um, I don't know about that. I don't understand why did they, I, I still don't understand why they let those cars go. Uh, it was just a weird fucking way. If it was brilliant racing by strategy by Red Bull to just keep trying to, you know, give themselves the best odds. They just kept doing that. But uh, that was a really weird, it was weird. I'm not, (laughs) it was fucking weird. So um, it was an amazing year. I missed most of it. I was so fucking busy. Um, But uh, congratulations to Formula One on on an incredible season that literally came down to the last lap. Um, I was convinced you know, in the end, I go that Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes are going to bitch and they're going to reverse this thing. I was convinced that that was going to happen. It has not happened yet. So um, I don't know what. Did David Stern start uh take over F1 where he's decided that they needed a Celtics Lakers thing to get it fucking going again? So they just, I have no idea. Um, a rivalry or some shit. I have no idea. Anyway. But it was an amazing race. That's what I watched today. And I'll tell you something else. Underrated. You know, when your team has a bye week, just not watching any football. 
Patriots were off this week, and I didn't watch one fucking second of NFL football. And I actually, I went out and I really enjoyed my day. I went out, I did a, um, this guy was doing a documentary on a comedian and asked me to be in it. And uh, they were shooting out in Malibu. And it was like, a, it was like a, to be honest with you, it was a perfect day to fly. Um, and I was kind of hoping I was going to get a chance to do that afterwards. I brought all of my shit with me. But um, this thing went longer than I anticipated. But it was just an amazing, uh, an amazing, um, I don't know, just like gig to do. Like usually a documentary, you sit down, you bullshit or whatever. Uh, but the way that they did this thing was real unique. I'm not going to say what they did, but um, it was, you know, showing me comedy clips that I had seen before and now just being older, looking at them and seeing the in-between of the jokes was pretty fucking cool. So I'll let you know when that thing comes out. But, uh, you know, I did miss a couple of kid birthday parties today, which sucked. Uh, my wife took my daughter around to them and... um I missed one yesterday because I was down in San Diego. So, you know, today I made sure, like tonight, every, you know what the big good thing is, no matter how much, how busy I get, always from five to seven every night is my time with my kids. We run around the living room and all that type of stuff. We have a good time. And my daughter's getting good about letting me watch. Can, hey, can we watch some daddy TV now? And you, she usually is just like, no. You know, wanted to watch some fucking... What the fuck does she watch? Those fucking dogs with the watches. Um, what the fuck are they? Paw Patrol. She's all about that shit. She usually wants to watch that, right? So tonight she actually let me put on. So I, was, I thought I was going to put on a little bit of that Packers-Bears game. And then 60 Minutes was on. I'm like, well, let's see what they're talking about. And they did this whole fucking thing on this island off of Newfoundland in Canada. And this woman that built this fucking hotel out there that brought tourism to this dying island, but then it's sort of a love-hate that they have with it and stuff. And But she told this heartbreaking story about how her dad was a fisherman and could make a living and feed the family and all that. And then one day the commercial fucking corporate boats came in and they just took all the fish. <laughs> and he came home after fishing the whole day and had one fish and just threw it on the floor and said, it's fucking over. And the next day he burned his boat and told his daughter to learn about money. You better learn this money game because this is what this is about. And it was just like, wow. You know, it was sort of uh, the beginning of the the big, like what what cities and everything are now. It's like they just fucking take everything over. It's really fucking horrible. Um, then I was also looking at it going, well, wait a minute, those fishermen that, you know, they got fucked over. There was originals. I believe that that's what they called their people up there. They were probably there first, you know, at some point they threw a fucking fish on the ground, said it's fucking over. The white people are coming. I don't know. The whole fucking thing. It's just, I don't know. You know, there's somebody, you know, maybe this is why I'm in like this funk is one of you guys sent me this video that I watched called Rules for Rulers. It's 20 minutes, and it explains how power works within a democracy versus a dictatorship and everything. And it's all kind of, uh, you know, the same thing, where, where all of us who aren't in power are basically peasants, where you get to be, you know, 
you know, democracy's the smartest because they treat their peasants the best. And then there's also a chance for a peasant to become rich. You know, and then that's what everybody chases. That's like the lottery. They go and they see somebody like, you know, he was standing right where I was standing. He put his head down. He went to work. He done it. It's still a great thing about the capitalistic system. But like, um, I don't know, everybody that I know, I know a number of people that are in that corporate world, like just what that fucking does to you. You know, having people work through the goddamn holidays. And you don't want to do it. You want to tell your boss to go fuck himself. But you know, if you do, there's someone waiting in the wings that doesn't give a fuck, you know. And then it's funny. And then the boss goes, all right, well, you're, you, you know, you want to be home with your family? Fuck you. You're fired. Then he promotes that animal that doesn't give a shit that it's the holidays. And in the back of his head, he's got to think, this guy's like such an animal. One day, maybe he's going to come for my throat. You know, it's fucking exhausting. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so check that out watch uh rules for rulers really a fascinating thing and then i watched this great um i watched this great french movie called close enemies on netflix um i don't know maybe want to get back into uh trying to learn you know get a little further with my french this time I was surprised by how many words I still remembered, but there was a bunch that I forgot. But uh, just a great movie, and it starts off like, you know, uh, I'm going to take it out of this genre so I don't ruin it. All right? It would be like uh, like a trope, what they call it, right? Like take like a cop, you know, he plays by his own rules and you know, there's going to be the scene with where he fucks up early in the beginning, you know, and his superior makes him turn in his gun and his badge, you know, but then he, you know, now he's suspended, but he still works on the case. And in the end, he proves himself right. Maybe there's a corrupt politician. That's literally, I think one of the dirty Harry's, um, that's just that style has been done so many times. They basically take a story like that, a relationship like that, that has been done a zillion times. And they just throw a big left fucking turn in it. And you're like, Oh my God, now what's going to happen? Like I'd say the first time I remember seeing that was, uh, maybe to live and die in LA. Um, had something like that. And then there was a movie called uh, Sexy Beast, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And what I love about that movie is there's so many gangster movies that um, the whole plot is just like, okay, these two old gangsters and they're going to do one more job. They just need to do one more job and then they're going to retire. You know, and of course a bunch of bullshit happens. Well, that movie starts with the gangsters retired. They already did the one more job and they're living in paradise and what could go wrong, you know? And then it it goes from there. You got to see that fucking movie. One of my favorites of all time. Um, and with that, I want to thank everybody that came out uh, down at Harris, just Northeast of San Diego. Uh, I went down there with, Todd Rex, what do you say to handsome? And uh, Bianca Cristoval, 
we all went down there. We had a great fucking time. And uh, both crowds were awesome. And it was great to be back, you know, out there on the road. You know, I got my fucking booster shot. Didn't get sick or nothing. I never got sick on any of the fucking things. I feel pretty good on all of that shit. So, uh, you know, I'm fucking doing what they're telling me to do. We'll see. We'll see what the fuck happens. Who knows? Who knows? Hey, by the way, what's the college playoff now? Playoff? Who's Michigan going to play? They play in Cincinnati. Uh, College football playoff. College football playoff. Why is my internet so goddamn slow? Oh, I know why. Because I'm on the wrong one. You are not connected. You are not connected to the internet. College football playoff. All right. Scheduled date. News about Georgia, Michigan, Alabama. Well, is it, it's not Cincinnati. Who the fuck is else is in it? Let's see here. Look at all of this goddamn information. I mean, look at it. For God's sakes, look at it. Who the fuck is in it this year? All right. Lucas Oil Stadium, Indianapolis, Indiana, 2022. This is where the national championship location is going to be in Los Angeles in 2023. Holy shit, I got to go. I got to go to that. The college football Super Bowl. And then in 2024, it's going to be in, 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 in uh, NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas. Well, I'm trying to figure out who the fuck's playing this year. Why is that so difficult? All right. Number one's Alabama, so they're going to play number four, Cincinnati. And then hail to the victors. Number two, Michigan plays Georgia. That's going to be a tough game. What do you guys think? Huh? Do you think the Big Ten's overrated again? Are they going to go down there and get smacked all around by the fucking SEC? Or those big corn-fed motherfuckers going to run it down their goddamn throats? That Michigan offensive line. I'll tell you right now, if I had to run right by a fucking goddamn offensive line, that's the line I want to run right behind. I'll tell you right now. You got to say that. You got to say that when you're doing color commentating. I'll tell you right now. You know, there's about two or three guys in the league that can do what you, what you just saw there. There is, you cannot teach that. I know, I know it. Can you somehow teach you not to fucking say that every time? Can you do that? Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, so I had a great time down in San Diego. And I was, when I was driving down there, you know, we were cutting through uh, East L.A. because of, um, you know, all the traffic and shit. And I swear to God, I don't know if I got the picture of it here. Yeah. Just on a side street, just the fucking cars and how long that they, they survive out here. I saw a Dooley Dodge, I think it was 70 or 71 Dodge. I ended up figuring out what the fuck it was, like a dump truck, a Dodge fucking dump truck, 50 fucking years old. Let me see. Who, let me see. I sent this to somebody. I don't know what the fuck is going on here. 
with my damn phone ever since I did that last fucking update. My phone is, what my phone is doing is what everybody was telling me I was, was going to happen to me if I got the vaccine. <laughs> this fucking thing is going nuts. All right, let's see here if I can find this thing. All right, I sent it to my buddy here. There it is. Early 70s Dodge. I was in East L.A. Look at that butte. It's a six-wheel fucking dump truck. I mean, it looks like it's four-wheel drive. It's fucking gigantic. Never seen one of those in my life. I've seen, you know, the old Fords, and I've seen the old Chevys. And, and Dodge was just, they, they just were never in the game when it came to trucks in, like, the 60s. You know, and then in the 70s, I just felt like they were so far behind. They had no respect. In the 80s, they finally came up with at least a name. They came up with the Dodge Ram. And then they actually made like a, a, a mid-sized truck, I think was called the Dakota. And, um, but it was always the argument, like, what do you like better? The Chevy Silverado, you know, a GMC or a, uh, you know, a Ford F-150 or F-250. And, and they were always the ulcerant until they came up with that killer front end um, and like the Dodge Hemi and all of that shit. All right, I'm always babbling about trucks here. Let's talk, uh, let's do a little advertising here, shall we? Um, all right, look who it is, everybody. It's Butcher Box. You know, when it comes to the meat that will be the centerpiece of your holiday meals, quality matters. And when you invest in high-quality meat, ladies, from ButcherBox, the benefits go way beyond a great-tasting meal. ButcherBox sources their meat from partners with the highest standards for quality. No more searching the grocery store for 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, wild-caught Alaskan seafood, what, wild-caught seafood, and more. Uh, their sourcing decisions are made holistically. Keeping the farmer, the planet, the animal, and your family in mind. All right? I love their fucking pork, man. I like that shit. I also like that deal where you get fucking bacon in every goddamn box. Every month, Butcher Box ships a curated selection of high-quality meat right to your home. Free shipping for the continental U.S. No antibiotics or added hormones. Each box contains 8 to 14 pounds of meat. Ladies, depending on the box you choose. That's enough for 24 individual meals. Packed fresh and shipped frozen for convenience. So you can save time on your next grocery store trip. Customize your own box or go to with one of theirs. Either way, you get exactly what you want. This holiday, ButcherBox is giving new members one pack of bacon for free in every box, plus $20 off each box for the first five months of your membership. That's free bacon for life. And up to $100 off. Sign up at ButcherBox.com slash Burr. That's ButcherBox.com slash Burr. All right. What do we got here? Oh, policy genius, everybody. All right, this one here, you know. If you're going to die someday, you should listen to this here. Um, If someone relies on your financial support, in other words, is there a woman in your life that is, air quote, overseeing the landscaping in your backyard. A woman that is managing the house. That's one of my favorite things ever. When a rich guy gets divorced and the woman who just laid around and didn't do shit, all of a sudden she has to make it look like she did something in the relationship. So just laying around the house becomes like these corporate positions. 
I oversaw the redesign of the pool. fucking hilarious. All right. If someone relies on your financial support, whether it's a child, aging parent, or even a business partner, you need life insurance. Life insurance can give you peace of mind if something happens to you. Your loved ones would have a financial cushion to pay for things like rent, mortgage, payments, loans, education costs, and everyday expenses. Having coverage, you got to do that, dude. If you fucking croak, you got to make sure everybody's, you know, everybody gets a nice water fucking cash like Jimmy the Jet just walked in the to take all you fucking grease balls money. Oh, um, having co- coverage through your job may not be enough. Most people need as much as 10 times more to properly provide for their families. Typically, life insurance gets more expensive as you age. So it starts to get a policy. Uh, so it's smart to get a policy sooner rather than later. Yeah, I learned that the hard way. How it works. Head to policygenius.com and answer a few quick questions about yourself. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need and compare personalized quotes to find your best price. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. Their licensed experts will help you understand your options and apply for a policy. The Policy Genius team works for you, not the insurance companies. Uh, You can trust them to offer unbiased help and advocate for you at every step until you're covered. Policy Genius doesn't add on extra fees or sell your info to third parties. That's nice of them. Um, Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. And lastly, but not leastly, ladies and gentlemen, it's the star of the day. Who will it be? Their name may hold the key. It's up to you to tell us who will be star of the day. What the fuck was that? That was something. That was on like after fucking candle pins for cash when I was a kid. Uh, Stamps.com, everybody, lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and United States Postal Services um, all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. You've heard me talk about Stamps.com. They've been sponsoring the show for over nine years now. And if you haven't tried it, the fuck are you waiting for? How many years do I got to run my yap over here? Uh, whether you're selling online or running an office or a side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip. And get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off all USPS, United States Postal Service rates, and up to 76% off all United uh, Parcel Service, UPS. Going to the post office instead of using stamps.com is kind of like taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Uh, save time and money this holiday season with stamps.com. Sign up with the promo code BURR for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter the code BURR. Oh, I got the hiccups. Um, that's kind of a funny analogy, huh? It's like taking the stairs instead of using the elevator. All right, well, taking the stairs, you know, that's better for your fucking heart. It's better for your legs, you know? And if you wipe out, all you do is fall down one flight of stairs till you hit the landing, you know? 
things go wrong in an elevator, I'll tell you. Depending on where you are, that can be a rough one, okay? Um, all right, sorry. My apologies. Let's try to be a little more serious here. Well, that's why you go to Policy Genius. Go to Policy Genius, then you don't have to worry about taking the fucking stairs. You can just fucking be eating a burger and fries, drinking a milkshake, waiting for the fucking uh, elevator. You know? All right, jokes from China. Okay, let's do a little backstory here. I love when people write in from other countries. All right? I do. And this is the thing. Even though that I know I'm better than you because I'm an American, (laughs) I still like to hear from you because it gives me an opportunity to pretend that I'm, like, empathetic. Uh, No, I'm kidding. Um, I got some, uh, you know, I've gotten some letters from mainland China, which just blows me away because over here in the United States, old old America here, Thomas Jefferson and all them powdered wig sons of bitches. Um, they make it seem like you guys um, can't listen to any, anything from over here uh, with your censored internet, which I have to be honest with you, I don't think is such a bad idea. You know, I remember before I was thinking, wow, it's fucked up. They don't let them talk to each other and blah, 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 blah. blah. But if you see how batshit crazy some people are going over here, going on the Internet, meeting and talking to other batshit crazy people on the fucking Internet. um, You know, out of all the mistakes I've made, I got to tell you something. One of the best things I ever did is I never really talked to anybody on the Internet. I mean, I'll send out a tweet. That's the closest I come to talking to anybody. You know, but like I've never got gone into a chat room and been like, hey, there, fucko 1976 uh, hashtag, you know, whatever. You know, where you living and like get to know somebody. That's just fucking weird. Um, anyway, so I was just whatever. I got some uh, emails from China. So I was like, you know, if anybody out there in China is listening, I'd love to hear from you. I was talking about all the fucked up things all the fucked up jokes that we've had about people from China and and the stuff that we've done in movies and TV, just, you know, offensive shit. So I was like, you can't tell me you guys don't have jokes about Americans. Let me hear some of your jokes from China, making fun of somebody like me uh, over here in America. So here we go. Jokes from China. Hello, Billy Fat Tits. Long time listener, first time mailer. Just heard your podcast. Uh, that asking some jokes about America from China. My name is Han. Solo? My name is Han, and I'm Chinese, and I have some jokes about it. So here we go. When I was in New York, I lived in the most dangerous and dirty place in Manhattan. It was called, it's called Chinatown. I found it, uh, I found it, I found Americans are very lazy at naming things, okay? (laughs) Like Chinese live together, they call it Chinatown. Korea goes together, it's called Koreatown. White people go together, it's called brunch. Oh, Jesus. That's doing jokes here. It's very lazy. That kind of thing will never happen if Americans come to Asia. Dude, this guy's literally doing stand-up. Hey, I'll tell you, when I was in New York, I lived in the most dangerous and dirty place. It was called Chinatown, okay? Oh, I'll tell you, it was rough. It was rough down in Chinatown. I found Americans very lazy name of things. Bunch of Chinese get together, they call it Chinatown. Koreans go to come together they call Korea Town. white people come together it's called brunch oh I'll tell you that's a beaut um, that kind of thing will never happen oh this is this Yakov Smirnoff in America you call it brunch in Russia it's called runny eggs 
Um, that kind of thing will never happen if Americans come to Asia. If a group of Americans go, Americans go to Japan and live in Japan, the Japanese wouldn't call it American town. They just call it a military base. <laughs> Those are some good jokes. That's it. Hope you enjoy it and love from Shanghai, China. Best wishes, Hand Q. How about a round of applause for Hand Q writing some respectable stand-up comedy in a second language? Hats off to you. That was fucking, that's some good shit. Feel like Johnny Carson. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. I love it. All right. Hand Q has set the bar, Asia. Come on, what is that, 90 billion of you over there? You can't tell me. I want to hear from the Dave Attells and Louis C.K.'s and Dave Chappelle's of China. I want to hear you. I want to start roasting America. I want to, I want to start doing some fucking jokes here. All right? Uh, okay, here we go. Old man dirt bike. All right, so lately, um, I've had this desire. You know, I was going over to the airport, flying my little fucking uh, whirly bird or whatever, and... Um, I was just thinking, like, you know what? I'd love to get a dirt bike. I could just ride it around the airport. There's nobody really there. It's a small fucking airport. I could ride safely. I could still keep the skill in knowing how to ride a motorcycle or whatever, and I wouldn't have to worry about getting T-boned by somebody staring at their phone in a fucking Tesla. Fucking Tesla, dude! It's all electric. You see the bottom of it? It's a giant fucking battery. All right, old man dirt bike. Dear Billy Milky Tits, uh, I sent you this email over a year ago. I'm even more in love with the Yamaha WR250R than before. Yeah, I looked it up. I guess this this bike is discontinued. Um, I think it is. I don't know. I have many friends that have switched from the KTM because they don't need the performance and hate the maintenance. My brother is your age and has been riding a dirt bike his whole life. He He loves... Uh, his WR more than anything he's ever had. It's street legal, can go about 80 miles per hour uncomfortably, but rips off-road. I'm almost 100% off-road nowadays. The best thing about this bike, maintenance. Oil changes are every 3,000 miles, and it doesn't need a valve adjustment for 18,000 miles. This is unheard of for dirt bikes. KTMs and most two-strokes need oil changes every 16 hours or so. Fuck a two-stroke. I don't need to do that. I'm not trying to go like 9 million miles an hour and the environment is polluted enough. I'm doing a four-stroke. Yeah, they're faster, but this thing is plenty quick for me. Uh, It's light enough that I was even able to lift it into my truck alone in a pinch, no ramp. I love this bike that I bought. I love this bike that I bought a friend a bike to keep in my garage so I can tempt out-of-towners to come ride with me. My brother and best friend got them too. I know you never take me up on it, but you're welcome to borrow it if you're ever in San Francisco and this COVID shit dies down. Don't mess with the two-stroke oil injection. It's just a mess. All right, a few non-gearheads out there like me. I I looked this up a long time ago. Um, Difference between a two-stroke and a four-stroke is, you know, when the piston gets to the top of the cylinder uh, and the spark plug hits you know, igniting the, the gas and air mixture, the emulsion of gas and, and oxygen. That explosion is what drives the piston down and turns the crankshaft. So in a true two-stroke, that happens every time the piston comes up. So two-stroke, okay? It goes down after the explosion and comes back up. 
another explosion down two strokes down up down up every time it goes up the the uh spark plug fires on a four stroke it fires it goes down it comes up it goes down it comes back up and it fires again that's simply it so basically it fires half as much times on a four stroke so there's not as much fumes and all that shit coming out the back of the bike however with the two stroke it's just constantly fucking cranking slamming that piston down turning the the crankshaft and you got all of this power uh all that says with the size of my head that just means i'm gonna fly off the back of the bike (laughs) so um anyway i i looked up some of those yamahas and uh you know they still seem kind of expensive um i don't need a ktm jesus christ what am i evil knievel Oh, Robbie Knievel, am I going to jump from one, one fucking uh, casino to another? I don't need to be doing that shit, but I, uh, you, know, you know, the reality is, the reality is, it's just once in my life, I want to drive a Harley Road King down some fucking road, like in fucking Montana or just in the middle of fucking nowhere, uh, is sort of the dream, but like, it's just too fucking scary. I told you guys, I had a bike for like two months out here. And um, you know me, I'm not a religious guy. And I took that thing out one time. And I, you know, my dream was to go down sunset and take it all the way to the beach. And I did that. And I went around a turn somewhere where the old Playboy Mansion used to be. And this guy came over the double line just a little bit. And I was in a turn and I had to stand it up so he wouldn't take my fucking head off. And it was just a split second, but it felt like, it felt like I was, you know, going to go right into the trees or lose my head. And I remember when we finally got to the beach, I was riding with Dean and I got off the bike and I was like shaking. And I was thinking like, is that from the vibration of the bike? Like what's going on? I was like low level shaking. It's like, oh no, that's because I almost just died. So I just made a promise. I said, God, if you get me back to Dean's garage, I will never fucking ride a motorcycle in LA ever again. And uh, I didn't. I parked it and I said, sell this fucking thing. (laughs) Um, Riding a bike, I tell you, it's not as fun as you think it's going to be. Because you're so busy trying not to get killed, you don't get to look at anything. Um, Where I feel like, you know, I don't know, I have like a four-wheeler and I fucking zip around the airport and I have a fucking blast on that thing. You know, I slow down at the intersections. I know somebody could be coming, but there's really nobody there. I just do it every once in a while to keep the battery nice and charged. You know, I'll just fucking take it through the gears and shit like that. And I have a fucking blast on that thing. And um, it's because I don't have to worry about getting fucking hit by anybody where the second I get out on the road, it's like, Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Where's it coming? Where's it coming from? Um, so, yeah, I'm going to get one. Fuck it. I'm going to get one. The Yamaha WR250R, huh? All right. I'll look at it. I mean, I'm loving that no maintenance. I mean, that is just just like you said, old man dirt bike. That's what the fuck I'm talking. 250, it's not a lot of power. It's a fucking four-stroke. Doesn't need any maintenance. That's perfect. Fucking brilliant. It's missing his training wheels. I mean, that is just right up my alley. That's exactly it. I'm not trying to fucking, you know, learn how to do wheelies or anything like that. I just want to fucking ride around on it. All right. Rounding up change. 
Uh, hey, Bill, what's this new shit? I drive through to pay, to pay, get food. Instead of giving me change, they asked if I want to round up the change to the nearest dollar because of the coin shortage. The bill was 94 cents, so they want you to eat the extra 53 cents. Yeah, tell them to go fuck themselves. I haven't heard about that. That sounds like a scam. Dude, these people incorporate, they're just fucking, they're criminals. If anybody out there is living a life of crime, just, you just start donating to politicians and start advertising your criminal enterprise on a news network. And I'm telling you, you will, we won't have any fucking problems. Rounding up change scam. Let's see what we get here. Why so many companies are rounding up your spare change? What does this mean? Okay. Last week, taxi app Lyft took out a full-page ad in the Sunday New York Times to announce a magnanimous new program it will soon roll out called Roundup and Donate. Oh, fuck you, Donate. You fucking cunts. You're going to donate 1% of it and line your pockets with the change, you fucking... This is the oldest scam out there. Opt in and we'll automatically round up your fare to the next whole dollar and push the difference towards issues impacting everyone everywhere, from climate change to the pursuit of equality. Could it be any more just, just vague? Yes, it's fair to see it as another effort to capitalize while Uber, its biggest competitor, has been beset by scandals for nearly two months straight. And the language of the ad, sit for something, it's what Lyft was founded on, led, to, led many to roll their eyes. The New York Observer said the ad is really a big fuck you to Uber. Uber? Uber. While an Adweek reporter wrote on Twitter, you're, you're a rideshare company. Get over yourself. Exactly. All right, let's see. What were the scandals? I didn't see this. All right, Uber had, has had five major scandals in just two weeks. <laughs> you know, who would have thought just getting in a, in a car with a complete stranger where there's nothing that vets them, that eventually you would have a problem? An extended, I mean, if I was a serial killer, I would just become an Uber driver. You know, are you sick of throwing, having to run down and tackle victims? All that money you spend on chloroform and all that money on rags. Wouldn't it be great if your victim would just get in your car? Introducing Uber. Um, an extended string of bad news about Uber continued on Friday with, with a New York Times report that Uber has used for years a surreptitious data tool to deceive authorities in unfriendly markets. It was only, oh my, these guys should be in fucking jail. They got enough money to stay out of jail. It was only one month ago that the hashtag delete Uber began trending during protests to President Trump's travel ban. Well, what the fuck does Trump have to do with Uber? Leading CEO Travis Kalanick to step down from Trump's business council. Oh, I see. Oh, because he was with Trump. Oh, I get it. But if he was with Joe Biden, people would be like, all right, it's okay. He could stay with Uber. Is that how it works? Uh, but that already feels like eons ago. Eons ago. 
In the time since, Uber has been at the center of an additional five scandals that has brought more negative scrutiny on the hot taxi company. They're not a taxi, which was already no stranger to scandal than ever before. All right, that's even more links. How the company deals with each of these storms could determine what fucking storms? Do these people get paid by the fucking word? All right. Former employee bombshell blog post. On February 19th, Susan Fowler Rigetti, a former Uber engineer now working on, wrote an eye-opening blog. What did she say? Alleging she received repeated sexual advances from a male colleague. Well, this isn't Uber's fault. You know what I mean? This is, it, this is on the guy that does it. Why does that go down to the company? Like, are you supposed to say in the, hey, before we hire you, do you plan on uh, taking your dick out at work? Well, yeah, actually I did. All right, we can't hide. Like, it's that simple? After the blog post went live and quickly rocketed around the internet, yeah, because of all these stupid uh, air quote news sites, not because they give a fuck, because they know that people will read shit like that and they can make m- money with banner ads. Uh, Kalanick, not Kalanick, Kalanick said in a statement, uh, what Philo describes is a abhorrent and against everything Uber stands for and believes in. That's fucking hilarious that you even need to say that. I mean, when Uber came out, it's like, we want to have more affordable taxis and we are against taking your dick out and shaking it at women that you work with. Just want to throw that in there as, a, as an aside. Uh, okay, but only three days later, a deep dive in New York Times story on Uber's culture suggested that, contrary to what Kalanick, Kalanick said, Fowler's story is not at all con- contrary to what Uber believes in. You're telling me Uber believes in sexual harassment? Or oh, they had a couple of the p- employees... Time story citing with more than 30 current and former Uber employees concluding that Uber's workplace is is, culture is aggressive and unrestrained. (laughs) (laughs) Who Who would think, you know, just such a simple idea? I mean, business is brutal. What's my name? Fuck you! Who would think that they would have some Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross shit going on there? Uh, this is going to be funny in the future when women run everything. And then guys will bitch like this. And it'll be like, the female run Uber has been described as catty and rumor starting. Um, the level of cuntiness in the office is just completely unacceptable. Sorry. Um, all right. Hang on a second. I, that, I, I got completely got off the subject here. This is rounding up. Would you like to round up? If this is so so br- a brilliant way to mug people with the, with their consent because people don't like change anymore. It's a question. Would you like to round up? It's a question many cashiers are asking customers around the St. Louis region. I feel like one of those fucking PM Magazine guys right now. Like I'm doing the voiceover. It's just showing footage of somebody at a fucking stop and shop. Uh, would you like to round up? It's often asked as you're checking out at the store or paying at a drive-thru. Local grocery stores, fast food restaurants, and even pet stores 
offer customers a chance to make charitable donations at checkout. News 4's Chris Nangus was recently asked if he wanted to round up at a Missouri Taco Bell. He, told, he was told his 48-cent donation would benefit education and students. It might not seem like a lot, but according to tax filings with the IRS, the Taco Bell Foundation brought in millions of dollars through the generosity of its customers. And how many more millions did they keep? According to its 2018 990 form, the Taco Bell Foundation brought in nearly $14 million. Well, let's stop here. How about a round of applause for Taco Bell? They donated $14 million to, uh, to benefit education and students while also taking out millions of people with heart attacks. So they're getting rid of people, which is great for the environment, and then they're trying to help the ones who survive their food be even smarter. It's amazing. Joe Waters runs Selfish Giving. Oh, wow. That's a, is that an oxymoron? Um, an organization that helps businesses, business partners with nonprofits to raise money at the point of sale. They're becoming really popular, Walter said. He said a recent partnership with an East Coast chain with 120 locations brought in approximately $40,000 worth of Roundup donations in just three weeks. Jeez, half a million dollars in just three weeks, everybody. And that's just what they reported. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. That's, that, didn't Richard Pryor do that in one of the Superman movies? It was like a half a cent left over from everybody's check. And the next thing you know, he showed up in a Ferrari. Rest his soul, the greatest of all time. Um, All right, give them the sun. Hey, Billy Fat Tits, periodically I hear you talk about... Jesus, I'm getting all all fat shamed here, you motherfuckers. Periodically I hear you talking about your solution to the Middle East conflicts. You talk about the tensions over natural resources, specifically oil reserves, and offer a simple solution. Well, I'm a simple man, sir. Give them the sun. Yeah, give the oil companies control of the sun. That's it. Now, solar energy is great and all, but there's been a recent breakthrough in nuclear fusion technology. Nuclear power plants that exist today operate operate using nuclear fission. Fission splits atoms, whereas fusion smushes them together. I like how he's using fucking barroom logic so he doesn't lose me here. The process of nuclear fusion is similar to what goes on in the actual sun. So your dream just might become a reality. I'll pause here if you want to do some Googling. Um, I'm all for whatever creates cleaner air and less waste. The only thing I'm worried about anything nuclear is the waste and how long it lasts and what, what the fuck you do with it. You know, knowing full well that, you know, all of these fucking solar panels and all of that shit, also the amount of raw material it takes to make those things aren't exactly green either. But my thing is to just get the fuck out of the Middle East. You know what I mean? So those people over there can just get back to fucking, you know. It was like they were having a nice battle royal over there. And then like wrestling, we came running out of the fucking locker room. I think it's time to go back in the locker room and let people handle their own goddamn business over there. Uh, This new technology has been a pipe dream for 30 years. And up until very recently, it had been thought to be 30 years 30-plus years off. So this is big news. Big news. You hear that? All you fucking people who think that nobody's cured anything or done anything and fucking since polio. I love this is my favorite fucking analogy, that they haven't cured anything since polio. It's like, well, maybe the real thing is you haven't been paying attention. 
Um, this is big news. Uh, the main benefit of fusion is that it has minimal waste, uses fuel that is abundant, and is much more stable as compared to fission, fa- uh, fission factors. Well, that is exciting. Anyway, thought you might find that interesting, and I hope to hear your thoughts on the show. As with many others, I listen to every episode and love the show. Thanks for all the laughs. The entertainment you provide to us on a regular basis. No problem. That is exciting. That is the kind of thing that actually sounds like it's too good to be true, and it's going to be fascinating to watch how we somehow fuck it up. Um, I mean, there we go, right there. If what you're saying is true, this is a way out. Sorry. I did a couple of shows. My voice always cracks when I do a couple of shows. Um, all right. Oh, God. And just when we had hope, just when we were starting to feel better, just when we got some of the great stand-up comedy, greatest stand-up comedy ever heard from mainland China by the great. Keep it going. One more time for Han Q, everybody. Dude, I swear to God, if I ever do stand-up in Shanghai, if you want to come on in front of me and do five minutes, all right? You got the gig. All right, buddy? All right. Just don't get yourself arrested, all right? Hey, I did, I did stand up in mainland China. Oh, I'll tell you, that was a rough one. The opening act did a joke. They ran him over with a tank, okay? Um, all right, give them the sun. I already read that one. Okay, the collapse of the public educational system. Oh, Jesus, here we go. Uh, dear Bill, I am a junior in a public high school in Los Angeles. And the, st- and the state at which my fellow students operate has vastly deteriorated over the course of the pandemic, and nobody seems to be talking about it. Well, I'm glad you're talking about it, because people should know about it. Over the last two years, while my classes were online, every student got bailed out of their bad grades because it was just blamed on quarantine. Well, where the fuck was that when I was going to school? Uh, we were just given a pass or fail grade based off of our report card before quarantine started. Uh, this should have not been announced because as soon as my classmates figured this out, they immediately stopped doing any work and we just sit around playing video games all day. Oh, oh, wow. Let me read that again. Cause I kind of fucked up the reading of that word, that sentence. We were just given a pass or fail grade based off of our report card before quarantine started. Uh, this should not have been announced because as soon as my classmates figured this out, they immediately stopped doing any work and would just sit around playing video games all day. They would just keep their cameras and microphones off or not even join the meeting fully in our Zoom meetings, which took the place of in-class instruction. Very few people actually attended class and nobody learned anything. This current school year came and we went back to our real-life class all the teachers expected the slackers to start working again. They didn't. This entire semester, a lot of students haven't made the connection that their grades now matter. Attendance is way down and very little is done in class and nobody does the assigned work. I am in an advanced program at my school and I believe a lot of my classmates are going to fail out of it. Yeah, but you're not. Don't do what those knuckleheads are doing. My question is, Should LAUSD, LA Unified School District, bail all of the slackers out of their bad grades again this year? Or do you think they should draw the line and say they should get their act together? Um, Thank you for your seemingly endless amount of relationship advice. You have helped me and my buddies out a bunch. Oh, that's nice. P.S. I hope this finds you 
because I have zero fucking idea how to reach you. Well, you figured it out. Um, okay. You asked me, do you think they should draw the line and say they should have, they should have gotten their act together? Um, I think they should take a portion of the blame. The public should take a portion of the blame and the students should take a portion of the blame. We should all focus on this. I think this would be a good thing with all the fucking flapping of the arms and chicken little shit going on out there. You know, I think this is the most important thing is uh, whatever is going on with the kids, the youth, the next people that are going to be coming along. You know, as an old guy, I want you guys to be, you know, doing the best you can and having a better life than I've had. Like, that's what you're supposed to want as an old person. So that sucks that it's like that. And I got to be honest with you, I probably would have fell into that a little bit too. Um, Because I fucking hated school, but, you know, I also hated getting yelled at. And I got to tell you, that's what my parents did when I fucking brought home a bad report card. I was, I would just get fucking yelled at. And it, you know, it, it, you know, it is negative motivation, but it fucking works. (laughs) So I'm proud that you're still, yet you didn't fall into that shit. And, um, you know, you learned a, uh, a valuable lesson early on in your life. Um, what you're seeing, what these people are doing, your fellow classmates is what a lot of people do in life is they, uh, find a way to do as little as possible. And um, it's why becoming successful is not as hard as you would think it is. It's definitely a lot of work. It's definitely a lot of sacrifice. But, you know, you're not really competing with everybody. You know, you're just competing with other people that are working as hard as you are. Other than that, most people, you know... Not most. I would say like, you know, like I would say 30% of people like their dream in life is to not do shit and get paid. And they would be happy with that. (laughs) Like they would want to be like a trust fund kid. Um, And then you have the next 30% or so. I think that they uh, they're good people and they work hard, but they don't necessarily have a passion and they kind of fall into something and they do that and they, you know, they enjoy it and they, I don't know, maybe they get more out of other things. I don't know what, you know, those people that, you know, they like their jobs, whatever, but they got a boat, you know, they can't wait to take the boat out, you know, or they, they got a dirt bike or whatever. They got just something that they, they want to go fucking do, you know, got vacation coming up. Oh my God, we're going down to the Poconos, you know, that those people. And, uh, you know, so, you know, it's really, I don't even know what it is, like 20% of people is what you're fucking competing with. So, um, congratulations, you know, succeeding is like an old school rocket, you know what I mean? Going up to the moon and that first section drops off. That's what you just saw. Now there's just two thirds of it left and you want to make sure you're up there in that top of that fucking capsule there. (laughs) So you can go plant your flag, son. Um, yeah, I would love to do, be involved in anything that would help out public schools 
and help kids out. And uh, I wish there was something you could do. Like if they started a program, you know, they had that dumb shit where you could fucking rescue a road or something. You know, you were responsible for keeping it clean. They had shit like that, something like that. They should do that with schools. You can pick, if there's like a a local school, there's like a way that even with your busy life that you can be involved and, uh, you know, help raise money or go down there, clean up, do something, you know? Because that can't go away, man. The free public education. Jesus Christ, grades 1 through 12. I mean, that's what it, that's what it was all about. That's what it's all about. That's where you learn all the fucking lies, man. Uh, prostitute, man. Yay or nay? Dear Billy Bong Dong. You saying my dick looks like a bong? I mean, all right, I'll take that. You got a glass tube there. Um, hey, Bill, I'm ripped off the jazz cabbage right now. And I had to run an idea past you. Is that an inside joke with you and your friends? I love how you just presented that. Like, I, like that's a common, exp- is that a common expression? I'm ripped off the jazz cabbage. I'm a 24-year-old who's still, who's still a virgin. Well, congratulations, you don't have any STDs. You're like one of those Star Wars action figures that's still in the box. Your fucking dick is worth money. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with virginity, but I'm fixing to punch that V card like it's a title fight. There you go. I like it. Get up to bat. Start swinging. Uh, The problem is I have no game with the ladies, fellas, and non-binary folks. Everyone's on the table. I didn't have my first kiss until I was 22 and haven't gotten that far again. I got a birthday spanking from a dude at a BDSM club, but that wasn't a sexual thing, so it doesn't count. I love how you were a virgin, but you go into a bondage fucking place for your birthday. I got a feeling once you get in the game, you're going to be you're going you're gonna to be like Jordan. It takes you two weeks to establish yourself <laughs> in, the, in the league. Anyway, I got to thinking about saving up money to visit a sex worker. To be clear, I mean one of those legit establishment where everything's on the up and up and people like their job. Nobody who has to fucking bang somebody for a living likes their job. I figure once I lose my virginity and let the wave of guilt instilled in me from my religion slash upbringing hit me, once I get over it, I'll be a bit more confident and be able to develop some skills in the art of seduction. Uh, on top of that, I feel like I'd be a, it'd be a dope experience. Uh, another virgin could blow my mind the first time. Imagine a seasoned pro who does the shit for, okay. Uh, for all oh, saying, if you went out and banged another virgin at, where you're at, that would blow your mind. But imagine if a seasoned pro does the shit for a living. Uh, what do you think? Should I keep it, at, uh, the old fashioned way or tag in a couple paper wingmen? Uh, thanks and go fuck someone else. All right. First of all, you have a great sense of humor. So, and you, you don't want to do that. You don't want, you don't want to have, you don't want to do that. Don't go down that fucking road. Uh, what you need to do is you have to do what a stand-up comedian does, which you have to bomb your way into knowing how to be a comedian. So you have to bomb your way into knowing how to hit on chicks or whatever the fuck it is you're into. All right. Um, so what you do is you set little attainable goals every time you go out. You know, I'm going to hit on three chicks. That's it. I don't know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to have fun. 
And uh, you know what's great about all of this shit is you're just gonna you're gonna get some hilarious fucking stories. And uh, you know, if you're 24 and you got friends, do they know you're a virgin? If they don't, you should tell them. Just be like, listen, man, I'm still a virgin and I'm sick of this shit. If any, you guys got any, and dude, and guys will like fucking, it's like the 40 year old virgin. Once they found out Steve Carell was a virgin, they, they were like, we're going to get this fucking guy laid. That's it. They're going to help you out and uh, you're going to be fine. You got a great sense of humor. All right. Everybody likes to fucking laugh. You're going to be fine. You, I, you don't need to tap out and go, you know, that dark route. Don't, don't, don't be doing that shit, you know? Imagine that you you coming right out of your box the first time fucking Luke Skywalker comes out and turns on his lightsaber and then you end up getting some fucking STD. Um, this is one of these legit places, you know, where the people like their job. Now, they had horrible childhoods and that's how the fucking they ended up in there. You don't want to be in that world at all. All right. That's it. So hang in there. Don't take the easy way out. All right. Talk some shit. Have some fun. Allow yourself to to be a fucking idiot, allow yourself to not know what you're doing and just enjoy the process, all right? Everybody's been where you're at, okay? Yet look at how many people there are on the planet, all right? So it's not hopeless. Whatever you do, don't join one of those stupid fucking incel groups because those people are doomed for failure. You have fucking... I, I just don't, for the life of me, I don't understand where if you had a fucking problem why you would go into a chat room where everybody else has the same problem, but nobody, there's no solution. You know what I mean? Like if you fucking, it'd be like me, you know, with all of my problems with technology, if I went to a chat room, if I could find the fucking thing and just talk to a bunch of other old fucking guys that were born for fucking 30 years before cell phones even came out, and we all sat around. I don't know how they fucking work either. I mean, how are you going to solve your problem? Uh, anyway, you know what I would do? The sex industry isn't 100% bad. I would, if I was fucking the president, I would, I would, I would, that incel shit would be over quick. I'd figure out who all those fucking incel kids were and I would send fucking whores, fucking whores to act like they're regular people and just go up to them and start talking to them in the grocery store like they did with that one guy who was running for office and they were trying to get dirt on him and they, they were trying to get these whores to bang him and he fucking wouldn't touch him. And then they sent guys. They're like, maybe he's gay. And then that didn't work. And then he was just, they thought he was like fucking asexual. Who was that guy? The one who they said fucked up the, the, um, the election in the year 2000. I love how they blamed him and not Al Gore. Um, <laughs> my turn um, anyways that is the podcast everybody um, hope you guys have a great couple of days I'll check in on you on Thursday uh, is Hanukkah come and gone I hope you had a happy Hanukkah how come they don't spell it Chanukka anymore I was trying to find out how to spell uh, Chanukka it's how they host, it was like a, there was alternate spellings of it uh, woman 84 killed after tornado touches down in Charles County. Can you imagine living for 84 fucking years? That's what gets you? A fucking tornado? Does that make any goddamn sense? What are the odds at 84 you're going to get killed by a tornado? You figure 84, 
stroke, dementia, fucking uh, falling in the shower. Who would think a goddamn twister would take you out? Jesus Christ, what a fucking way to go. I'll tell you right now, they don't, they, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you right now, they don't have a fucking, uh, I've fallen I'm, and I've gotten getting up for fucking old people after a tornado. That is the scariest. Like, where do you go? I literally think they have basements in the middle of the fucking, like Kansas and shit, because of tornadoes, not for extra shit. Oh my God, and then you go down there. And you're just waiting for that thing to pass by. He's just sitting down there going, why am I keeping all of this shit? You know? And then the second you think that, Mother Nature's like, well, I'll help you with that. Just vacuums up your whole house. You ever read these stories where people, like, got sucked up into them and they, like, fucking saw shit? (laughs) Fucking guy got sucked up in one, said lightning was happening inside of it. It's like, let me get this straight. You were in a tornado with your eyes open? (laughs) Did you have your hands behind your head just sitting there laying back? All right, well, fuck it, man. If you're going to suck me up in it. Wait, I got to look that up. Man inside tornado. You know that shit? They get sucked out of their fucking house. Man carried away by tornado. Oh, here's one. We are in a tornado. Oh, my God. You're not in a tornado. It's right next to your house, though. You couldn't understand him there. He was saying, we are in the tornado. This is home video here showing that tornado that moved through North Texas yesterday evening. A friend of Amir al-Assad says he shot this video after his roof inside his home caved in. There's lightning. The wind tossed tree <laughs> I mean, when you're in a tornado, I evidently all you can do is just yell the obvious. Oh, we're in a tornado. Jesus Christ. Fucking rip the roof off of his fucking house. And this guy's still filming. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine liking Instagram that much? You know what? I should stay down in my basement with this old grandfather clock. Or what if I went upstairs and I started filming and just screaming, I'm in a tornado. Can you imagine how many hits I would get? When I was looking up, there was a guy a long time ago. I remember reading, I think in Reader's Digest. Yes, a man was swept up by a tornado. All right, this is 15 years ago to the day. Matt Sutter was thrown 1,370 feet in 2006. 19-year-old kid. That's why he got up. He was 19. Uh, Matt Sutter was 19 years old when he had an experience that he will never forget. He survived being swept up inside a tornado. There have been a few stories like this, but this one was different. Uh, let's see, there was a severe weather outbreak in the Missouri Ozarks on March 12, 2006 that lasted throughout the evening. More than a dozen tornadoes, a supercell claiming the lives of two people, but Matt was lucky. 
as an EF2, whatever that means. Tornado ripped through his grandmother's mobile home in Fordland that evening, and Sutter was swept up inside the twister. Records show Sutter was unconscious during this time. Oh, yeah. But because he had been struck in the head by a lamp in the motorhome or a foreman grill. God knows what else he had in there. Because he was struck in the head by everything he ever owned. Uh, Sutter woke up in a grassy field sometimes later after being thrown over a barbed wire fence. Luckily, Sutter only suffered a head injury from the lamp and his feet were badly scratched. By what? The fucking house cat clinging to him? Sutter woke up 1,377 feet, roughly a quarter of a mile away. Fifteen years later, the distance still holds the Guinness Book of World Record for longest distance anyone has been thrown by a tornado and survived. I'll tell you right now, I chase tornadoes and I'm out here to break the 15-year-old record of Matt Sutter. Of 1,370 feet, 307 feet, excuse me. Safe to say this is one record no one will want to break. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? Did you see all those whores lining up to try and fuck Flavor Flav? You're telling me he's one of these fucking people doesn't want to try to break that record? You can find somebody. Um, all right, that's it, everybody. That's the podcast. Go fuck yourselves, and I'll check in on you on Thursday.